Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathrum. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathrum. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If it's your first time here, along with our Monday mindsets designed to help you mindfully get your week started, we share stories of overcoming adversity, jumping off points, and the mindset-making moments that shape the lives of impactful leaders. Whether it's C-suite leaders, military leaders, government executives, high performers, professional athletes, what is it about them that allows them to succeed and what can we learn from them to get better together? If we want what they have, we've got to do what they do. And we're carrying the message to the everyday person who wants to get a little bit better one day at a time. If that sounds like you, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening, on YouTube, on Instagram, and come find me, Philip Nathram, on LinkedIn. I want to connect with you. Be on the lookout for Copilot. We're in the lab and we're working hard to create a platform that's going to change the way we learn, revolutionize the way we think about fulfillment and career growth. Copilot is helping the whole human take off. We're helping you navigate the best version of yourself by building your own personal board of advisors. So be on the lookout. We'll be accepting applications and opening the waiting list shortly. We'll have more information coming up, so make sure you subscribe, connect on LinkedIn. Make sure you don't miss out on the opportunity to be a part of the founding members cohort. We're doing something different. We're doing something impactful. This is going to change the way we all think about how we become our best selves. Today's episode is with Amy Gilliland, the president of GDIT, that's General Dynamics Information Technology. We had a lot of fun talking with Amy today, and one of her messages was that we can do great things. We are all more resilient than we may even know. She talks about her experience growing up with a single mother who was in civilian service to the United States Army, along with her great-grandfather who was in the United States Navy, and the two of them put together showed her the example of hard work, service to others, and the power of gratitude. We get a snapshot of what it was like to be aboard the deck of a guided missile destroyer ship, the USS Laboon, learning how to lead in the face of uncertainty. She's been able to travel to over 40 countries and saw diplomacy both by ship and as a congressional liaison. And she's got this this complexion of experience that has made up this perspective within her. And she shares about how she got that and what that means to her. And we get to talking about our morning routines, which I love talking about. And it sounds like she and I have a lot in common. She's an early bird and practices gratitude, but she ingratiates her kids into her practice. And I thought that that was great. She wants to be an example for them. And everything about her and her home life is a part of who she is professionally. And she reminds us of that. So we have a great chat and I'm excited to bring you this episode. Before we begin, here's a quick note from some of our sponsors that support us and help make this show possible. Today's episode is sponsored by PenFed. They've got great rates for everyone. For more than 85 years, PenFed Credit Union has offered great rates on loans, checking, and savings, serving our military and local communities. PenFed is open to everyone. Helping their members save is how they grow. Go to PenFed.org to see how you can save more with their best-in-class rates, products, and services. PenFed. They've got great rates for everyone. 
This episode is sponsored by Benz, the business executives for national security. Join hundreds of senior and executive leaders dedicated to the mission of keeping our nation safe. Check out their projects and upcoming events at www.benz.org. That's www.bens.org. Benz, the business executives for national security. This episode is sponsored by Leashes of Valor. One leash saves two lives. Leashes of Valor is working hard to bring service dogs and post 9-11 veterans together in order to enrich both lives. They're a nonprofit founded by veterans right here in Northern Virginia. Check out their website, leashesofvalor.org. There you'll find warrior stories, opportunities to donate. You can shop their merchandise, which all goes to supporting their cause. We're excited to have their support and to support them in everything that they do. Check out leashesofvalor.org. You are capable of amazing things. Amy Gilliland, thank you so much for joining us here on the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm so excited to be with you again, Phil. Yeah, me too. We had a we had a great first conversation. Um, and we talked a little bit about, you know, your time in the Navy and some of the things that really influence who you are and what you do. But I can't wait to get into way more detail than that. All right, let's do it. Yeah. So remind us again, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. And so, and and did you play sports when you were younger? I did play sports. I played soccer and lacrosse. Yeah. What position in lacrosse? I was second home. Okay. So actually, interestingly, I played second home in college and I played defense in high school. So went from the defensive uh, approach to the attack. Yeah. And, uh, I like that. I always like asking that question of like, what position people played. Cause I think there's something that happens when we're younger. So what I've learned from a lot of people like you is that discipline in our youth equates to discipline in our adulthood and discipline can come in many different forms. It's dance, it's music. It's um, some people are straight A students, but a lot of us are athletes and specifically the ones that play offense tend to find themselves in a little bit more of either a sales role or tend to gravitate towards to more executive leadership and the defensive ones be, they become more of the entrepreneur roles where they're very focused and they can execute on a task, the COOs, the CFOs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what any of that means, but that's what I've been learning from folks like you. No, I do think that sports is for, for me, I wasn't, you know, the most exceptional athlete. I enjoyed playing sports, but it taught me a lot about teamwork um, and I couldn't do it all myself. Um, and, you know, I also grew up in a single parent household and uh, that certainly uh, taught me a lot about discipline also. Yeah. And was it your mom or your dad? My mom. Yeah. yeah. My mom, uh, my sister and I growing up. So uh that that family unit and that family bond and how we support each other and all that life has brought us. It's uh, great lessons. Yeah. What's your most memorable experience from childhood or the memory that sticks out that you carry with you that makes an impact on your day to day? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My my dad left when I was young and my mom worked full time. She was 40 years as an army civil servant And so I actually, in my early years, my mom drove a couple of hours to get to work every day. We lived, like I said, outside of Baltimore. And so my great grandfather, we lived with my great grandfather and he immigrated from Switzerland when he was 18, arrived in New York Harbor with no money, um, didn't speak English and built, uh, built himself here. Where did he immigrate from? Switzerland. Okay. Came from Switzerland. And so sitting at the breakfast table with my grandfather and um, oftentimes, you know, if we were off from school for snow days or even in the summer, 
he taught me a lot, uh, a lot about things that mattered, the importance of family, the importance of values, like hard work and being true to your values. And also taught me a lot about how grateful he was to be in this country and what this country had. How great is it to be someplace where, you know, hard work pays off and how lucky and fortunate we are to live in this country. And for him, it was also about the importance of giving back. So service uh, was introduced to me at a young age. And I, I think that that is very much a part of how I came to serving in the military myself. Yeah, I was going to ask that. What kind of service were you doing at a young age? What, what, what did it look like? Uh, oh, well, service for me, in part, I, I volunteered in the, in the community, um, part of a lot of different clubs and schools and yeah. all those sorts of things. But I also... We learned that in my family, everybody needs to contribute. So both my sister and I had jobs at a young age. And I think that thought of how you can give back uh, in your community, but also how you can participate professionally and continue to evolve yourself. Um, those were all important growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And so you chose the Navy. Your mother was a civil servant with the Army. Yes. How did you determine the Navy was where you wanted to go? Well, my great grandfather was uh, in the Navy, so I definitely heard his stories okay. about what the Navy was. And I was enamored with all that the Navy stood for. The, the Navy's mission of sailing the seas and join the Navy, see the world. I always like the thought of that. And I went on a field trip to the Naval Academy when I was a really young uh, girl and decided that that was my life's ambition and I was going to go there. And so I think there was a it was obviously Annapolis is close to, to home. And yeah. so we were able to visit and I knew others that had gone to the Academy and it was a place that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. I've shared about this before is that I, the Navy was where I wanted to go also for the same reasons that it's Annapolis. And I grew up in Prince George's County. Okay. So we would often go there and I would see it. I've done a couple of races where you just kind of run around the Naval Academy and it was just something in my mind. And, you know, with my, I just ended up not going right. Um, I wanted to, and my parents didn't want me to. And at the time, you know, I had to do a lot of work on myself as I got older. But one of the things that I've worked on is recognizing that I'm not in charge of other people's happiness. Um, and that's helped me become a better leader. And I talk about that with other leaders too, is that we have to kind of unlayer some of those things. But at the time I just, you know, I didn't go and I look back now that I'm too old to be in it. Um, I, you know, I just admire the people that have done it and the things they've been able to do. I don't think you're too old to be in the Navy. Uh, you're too old to go to the Naval Academy, but the Navy would still take you, I'm well, sure. They, they cut off at 38. I'm 39 now. Oh, you look no older than 21. Really? Yes. Yeah. Well, you're just being nice to me now. Um, yeah. When people are like, oh, I thought you were younger. It's like, because I look younger, I act younger because one's better than the other. They're both good. They're both good. What, uh, where'd you, where's the most uh, interesting place that you went in the Navy? Oh, my goodness. I, so I had two tours that are quite memorable, one on a guided missile destroyer, USS Laboon, and we traveled through the Mediterranean Suez Canal to um, the Persian Gulf. And so on that trip, I went to everywhere um, from Dubrovnik to uh, Split and we were in Yemen and we visited Jordan and um, I was in the UAE and so lots of different places. And it was 
very interesting to see diplomacy by ship. I also had another tour, which was fabulous. It was my shore duty where I served as a congressional liaison to the House of Representatives. And I was in 40 countries in the two years that I spent in that job, including going to places um, like Afghanistan and Pakistan and Uzbekistan. And we were in uh, all over Africa and in South America. So some really interesting places where Congress uh, had international relations business and we got to see diplomacy at an even different level than the service. Yeah, that's, you know, there's no other career choice that you can make, I think, that would allow you exposure to that many countries, that many types of people, that many cultures and, and that diversity of thought. This had a profound impact on how I think. I, that's, so my next question was going to be is, what do you think that does for you as a leader and as a mentor to other men and women in your life, just to understand them better. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, I've had to purposely work and I still do. I'm taking cold showers every day. My reading list is ridiculous. I'm doing this podcast. I'm purposely working on those things so that I can understand other people better and help them in a different way. And, and you've been exposed to so many things that seems like it's developed you into who you are. If you could boil it down to maybe your top three things at the Navy or that you're most grateful for, for those experiences or what you've learned from someone in a different country that just, it makes an impact on you every day now. Yeah. So first, just the power of perspective. I don't think there was any one particular country or leader or experience that I had, but it is the complexion of all those experiences and how it impacts my own thinking about how I want to lead and how I want to leverage the reality of the need for all the perspectives in the room. Secondly, serving in the Navy, let's remember how I got to many of those places, which was by a guided missile destroyer. That's true too. And because I was a leader on the deck plates of those ships and that deck plate level leadership where in some places we were in harm's way, uh, the, the Yemeni Harbor just before the bombing of the USS Cole. And you really learn a lot about what inspires people and how teams work together when you are in a stressful situation. So I learned a lot from that. And the last thing I'd say I learned from the Navy is that you gotta, you gotta believe in yourself and be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Junior officers, they have an acronym for how you train for a job. It's called OJT, which is on the job training. And so you're never fully prepared for a job you have in the Navy. And I think that that definitely helped me for life after the Navy and certainly informs my perspective on the kinds of varied career experiences that I think are very important for the employees at GDIT. So what you're describing, or at least what I'm hearing is you've built a, a resiliency over time to things like fear, uncertainty, managing in a stressful situation, managing other people that all have emotions on their own to get a common mission accomplished. And now that you've exited, because you've also done some media relations when you were there too. So I can only imagine having to communicate at that level to the general public who isn't privy to a lot of information that probably have a lot of opinions on their own is difficult. Um, 
you know, when you, when we people talk about resiliency in leadership, what do you, how do you define resiliency? And what do you think from your experiences you, you just described is, is something that we can all practice on our own? I think resiliency is about rising up and coming out of a situation better, despite how difficult it might have been. And when I think about that from, look, we've all had, we just had a two year experience with resiliency. And so there is a saying that you never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Um, But I, I think as leaders, it is a reminder that we are all more resilient than we even believe. And helping others in the midst of all of that know that that you will persevere through it, that you can do great things, yeah, um, and that you that you will do them. Yeah. How do you do? You train for that in your daily life? Like I mentioned, cold showers. But what's your daily routine or morning routine? Do you journal? Are you a gratitude list person? Like, how do you maintain that composure? to continue being resilient and being that example for other people. Yeah, I think that self-care is really important. And I have, I come from a family of early birds and then the military only reinforced that. So my, my most productive time of the day is in the morning. And so exercise is a very deliberate, intentional part of my day. And I use that as my reflection time also. And so that is the time where I wake up every day and I'm thinking about what is it that um, I want to accomplish that day? Um, What am I focused on? And I clear my head of all of the noise. And I think that that brings me, brings an energy to me that is helpful. I I saw a a meme the other day. It was a t-shirt actually. It said, I'm nicer after I work out. Yeah. That's true for me. Yeah. Well, the dopamine is, is firing, right? It, it is. Yes. Um, and your perspective has changed. I think the, the, when we do hard workouts, cause I do CrossFit, I do I'm running 40 races before age 40. I'm going off grid with some special forces people, but when we do hard things physically, it starts to shape our mind psychologically. I, I think that's absolutely true. There's a discipline that comes to it, but for me, it is about a clarity of purpose and making that time, carving out that time to be very intentional and deliberate. And there's other parts of my morning routine also. It's not just about exercise for me. I, you know, I, I'm a podcast listener and that helps me focus and transition from work to home. Um, and now, you know, when I think about it, I am also inculcating intentionally or unintentionally my children into it because yeah. I have young children at home. So it's not uncommon that my now four-year-old might be in the gym. I am driving my 10-year-old to the office and we're listening to a podcast together and having a conversation about what it is. So I, while they may not adopt these habits, I think that they see that they are very much a part, something that I am committed to, an important part of how I set up my day. So your kids, how do you think your, your patience has increased or has been affected? I don't know if it's been increased or not by having kids. And has that done anything for you with your, with your leadership style. Cause you, you also went from being a media person to then doing some HR, which is exposure to a lot of people. At what point in there did you have kids? I had kids. My first child was born 
before I was in HR, my second child born just as I was going into HR and my third child born just as I started this job. Right. Yeah. Did anything happen with your patients or maybe your time management? Oh, you become skillful at time management. Yeah. There is no, not one second of the day that is unprogrammed for me. But you know, it's interesting. I think I am an older parent and I am more patient in my Mm -hmm. uh, more mature years than I was, um, earlier in my career. So I'm not sure that it's my children or, or my age, but actually there's yin and yang, the office and home. And I think home makes me better in the office and office makes me better at home. And so they complement each other. How do you transition that? Because you're, I mean, you're the leader of what? $8 billion company. Yes. That's eight and a half, eight and a half billion dollar company. And then you've got three kids at home. You've got a family that needs you to just be a mom, just be part of the family. We don't, they probably don't care that you're the leader of an $8 billion company in the house when they need you to do something, right? Yeah, I think I, I have learned to be present where I am. So when I'm at home, I try to be present with my children. And when I'm at work, I try to be present at work. And I think the picture that you just painted is, is not reality because work and home blend together. Yeah. So my children are a part of, we're having a Earth Day planning next week and my four-year-old is coming to do that. She has Zoom bombed many of my staff meetings on days that I'm working from home. I talk about my children and I encourage others to talk about whether it's children or hobbies or community involvement. That goes to trying to create a workplace that understands that home is a big part of mm -hmm. who we bring to work. That's right. And I want people to be able to have uh, to share that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk of I talk about the whole human and the support of that whole human. A lot of people say bring your whole self to work every day, but it, it's part of who we are. We're not just a scientist or an engineer or whatever. You're someone's brother and father and mother and son and. I think that's really important. And I think it's important going back to your question before about leadership, understanding that people have a lot going on outside of work that informs how they behave at work mm -hmm. and realizing, particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, that everybody's dealing with something and that weighs heavily. And mm -hmm. that I first learned that on the decks of a guided missile destroyer. A lot of 18 year olds who are away from home having these life experiences yeah. for the first time. And so people carry a lot with them and that influences who they are and uh, how they how they show up. And we have to be cognizant of that as leaders. Yeah. So there's one question that I ask everyone that's been on the show. OK, so this is my favorite part of every interview. And I so I call it the jumping off point. And some people have multiple but it's a moment in time where you can no longer continue doing what you're doing, but you're uncertain of what to do next. And for many people, it's a time in their life where they're going through some sort of physical pain, emotional pain, or both. But looking back on it now, having been through it, they're incredibly grateful for it because without that experience, they wouldn't either be the person they are, have the people in their life that they do, the career, something about their life that they appreciate and value way beyond any of that pain that that pain was not great enough for them to think that if they could go back in time, they would change it. What is that for you? I have, I have two distinctly different ones. One is professional and one is personal. So on the professional side, 
I, I had to make a decision to get out of the military and the military, I went to the Naval Academy. So it was really all I ever knew as, as an adult professional. And that was a hard decision. And I, at that point, I, I learned a couple of things. One, that paying it forward is so important. There were so many people that helped me in that transition and I am forever grateful and will ever be committed to doing that for others. Did you do tap? I did taps. I did. Yeah. And tap was, tap was good, but it doesn't, it helps you with some of the transition point, but figuring out what you want to do when you grow up, that is really introspective. Yeah. And so you got to bet on yourself. And as a, for me, it was an, an, as a young, pretty early career officer. And so betting on yourself and having the courage to do it. Uh, was hard, but I also learned, Hey, again, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and buckle your seatbelt and, and do it. And so there was a lot I learned from that transition. It was a difficult part, but you got to trust your gut and your values and all those things that you and I talked about. And that's how I found general dynamics. And I made that choice based on this is a place where my I see my, my, myself and the values here. And that was really exciting. On the more personal side, um, my middle daughter uh, was diagnosed at a fairly young age, two and a half with a neurological disorder called Rett syndrome. And that is a devastating diagnosis for parents to receive. And that was a really painful time in my life. And when I look back on it and as I reflect, she just turned nine and she's doing really well, all things considered. I've learned so much from her. One, um, that it is really important to be present in the moment and not to, to worry about things that you can't control right. and to make the most of what you have now um, to celebrate everything are you a big celebration person, even I the small am, wins? I am a celebrator of the small wins. Yes, yeah, I, love I that. am. You cannot, you cannot take anything for um, granted. And so, and there are amazing people in this world that give of themselves, um, you know, every day and who believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. And for my daughter, that is so powerful. So hope is, hope is really important. And going through the pandemic, making sure that people, you know, we couldn't see the light at some point, but um, focusing on the little wins and the things that were going right and what we could control. And so we talked a lot about as a company. Yeah, no, I love that. I like to tell people, you know, I have a couple keynotes and and I say that um, you can't read the label when you're wrapped inside the package. So you need other people to be encouraging you and, and telling you what's going on with you and see within you what you may not be able to see in yourself. Yeah. And okay. really, really important to do that for a nonverbal child Yeah, who is cognitively fully functional. And there are so many people that uh, believe in her and that's just had such a profound impact um, on me. And it's, you know, what I learned from that also going back to this theme is that everybody's got something like that. Right. We all are fighting our own challenges. And um, so for us and for me as a leader, that has, again, translated to empathy. It has translated to the importance of mental health and talking about that openly yeah. and emerging from the pandemic. 
we have been really focused on that here because I think that that is something that is definitely exacerbated right now. Yeah, that's I'm all for that. That's a big part of what the co-pilot leadership forum, which is a growing out of uh, this podcast is and um, former Navy secretary, Tom Harker was on and we talked a lot about mental health. I, you know, I've been sober for almost eight years now and he talked about his experience um, with, with investigating some mental health and, and getting the help that he needed. A, a number of people have been on and, and they've talked about just how much it helps to work through the things that were weighing on them that they didn't even know. Exactly. We don't know what we don't know. And it's easy to think, oh, that was in the past. It's not a big deal or that I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one with a child like this. No one knows what I'm dealing with and they'll never get it. And then you share about it. Are you, do you, did you find other parents that you could talk to? The power of perspective. Yes, absolutely. Connected to parents and therapists and you know, we were we were filming something uh, an employee message and one of our employees said does your does your daughter ride at simple changes it's a therapeutic riding facility um, in Lorton and I said yes she does and she said I used to volunteer there yeah. so it's just it, the world is a small place and when you can change the perspective from being in it alone to being in it with all these folks that um, want to support you and help you go through it. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for spending some time and chatting with me. I really appreciate you making the time. And this was a lot of fun. I love the podcast. I love the, uh, the chance to share. So thanks. Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders on Instagram at DC Local Leaders or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.